Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody that we are free and available on all platforms. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we're going to be talking some more postseason grades. We graded the backcourt for the Wildcats and their performance uh, during the 2021-22 season. We did that on yesterday's episode. On today's episode, we're going to be grading the front court, all but two players, and we'll get to the, those other two players on Monday. And then to wrap things up today, we're going to be predicting the Sweet 16. By the time this comes out, a few Sweet 16 games will have already happened, so you can just laugh at some of my predictions. Uh, as we as we go along here, but let's go ahead and get into it. Postseason grades for Kentucky basketball's front court. Going to start off here with Jacob Toppin, who up until this point is my highest graded player uh, of the season. Jacob Toppin, I have graded as an A minus. I gave Jacob Toppin uh, an A minus grade. Average six point two points per game, one point one assists per game, and three point two rebounds per contest for the Wildcats. This season, he was one of the more consistent players on the team. I know we've talked here a lot over the past week, week and a half or so. We've talked a lot about consistency, especially whenever we've talked about Kentucky's guards uh, this this past season, talking about what they were able to do and how they kind of just faltered down the stretch, uh, especially shooting, uh, especially shooting from beyond the arc. But Jacob Toppin, one of the more consistent players on this team, also personally one of my favorites. He's really, really, really good. You go back and watch some of his film, watch some of his highlights. Very, very good off the ball for the Wildcats. He was obviously fun to watch uh, whenever he caught lobs. He had a lot of explosive dunks and different things of that nature, but he was, um, whenever you watch different film, I noted that he was just, he's a smart player. He knows what to do in the half court set. He knows where he should be, and he always seemed like he was consistently in the right place at the right time. Now, his shooting wasn't the best. His outside shot wasn't the best. He kind of perfected uh, the bank three-point shot, if you will, but uh, he was very, very good inside the paint. Uh, he, he knows how he knows how to shoot a floater. He knows how to obviously uh, throw down some vicious dunks. Very, very athletic uh, very bouncy, very entertaining to watch. Jacob Toppin shot 55.6% from the floor. Very solid number there. Uh, was also shooting 40% from three, uh, which you, would, you wouldn't you would think uh, w- would be characteristic of a guy that I just said is not a great shooter. But again, go back and watch. I'm pretty sure he banked in at least two three-pointers. Uh, not, not the best shooter in the world, but hey, 40% from three. Uh, heading into your season, senior season, not bad, not bad. Also a 74.5% uh, foul shooter, also decent number there, especially for a power forward or a small forward like top. And I guess you could put him at the four or the three. Looking ahead to this season, he's obviously gonna, going to be one of the veterans on this squad. I asked on yesterday's episode of Locked on Kentucky, who do you think is going to be the leader of this squad? Not necessarily from a statistical standpoint, but in 2022 and the 2022-2023 season, Who's going to be that vocal leader, that guy that's kind of the face of the program next season? And one of you said Jacob Toppin, and it might have been multiple of you, but one of you noted that, you know, Jacob Toppin is 
one of the most experienced players on this roster. And while his numbers may not be particularly fantastic, you have to consider what he was playing behind, right? He was playing behind Kellen Grady. He was playing behind Keon Brooks. Uh, whenever he wanted to slide over at the five, whenever Kentucky went very, very small, uh, he, he would have to be playing behind Oscar Sheboy. He was playing off uh, behind all of these really, really good front court players. And I think that he made the most out of the minutes that he got. And I think his, his shooting percentages reflect that. Uh, he had a season-high 14 points against LSU uh, in that loss early on in the season. Was Played very well in that game. I remember talking about that whenever we did the break, breakdown episode. Whenever I was so frustrated uh, with that game, I remember that being one of the, uh, the lone bright spots uh, of that contest. But yeah, Jacob Toppin, one of the most consistent players, one of the most entertaining players. I like him. I like his character. A-minus for Jacob Toppin on the season. Moving along here, Damian Collins, front court player for the Wildcats. Didn't get enough playing time, I don't feel like, for Kentucky this season. That's just my opinion. I know some of you may disagree. A lot of you, I think, would agree. Uh, Damian Collins should have gotten more playing time this season. Very explosive. Almost too explosive to not get more minutes than he did. He averaged 7.3 minutes a game uh, next season. But again, you have to you have to think about the fact that he was playing behind so many different guys that are just that were just really talented. Keon Brooks, Oscar Shibwe. He was he was playing behind those guys. But next season, I think that he's going to end up being like an eight, nine point a game type of guy. He's going to get about four and a half, five rebounds a game. Uh, should be uh, one of the best shot blockers uh, on the team because he was averaging like 0.6 blocks a game. And I mean, if you're if you're getting seven minutes a game and you're averaging over half a block during that span, I mean, I mean, you do the simple uh, simple math and it, it just translates to one, two, one and a half, two, maybe even three blocks a game if he gets enough minutes, if he gets about like 35 minutes of playing time next season, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see, though. Uh, 2.9 points per game for Damian Collins, or points per game for uh, Damian Collins. Uh, 1.1 assists per contest, and then two rebounds per contest as well. Damian Collins, I have graded out as a B because uh, I just I, I like what he did when he was on the court wasn't on the court enough, and I just don't think that he was able to really begin serious development. And again, like I think you, you have to reserve, reserve the aid grades for people that were either insanely efficient or made their mark on, on the team in a way that a lot of different players couldn't. Looking at Oscar Shibwe, who we will be grading on Monday. Going to go ahead and let you know that now. Uh, Damian Collins averaged, uh, was shooting 57.7% from the field. Missed all of his three-point shots, took, took three of them on the air, missed them all, and was an 85.7% free-throw shooter. And I noted this. I don't remember which game this was. I think it might have been the Alabama game. Whenever I was doing a recap, one of the things, things in my notes is like, consistently all year long, Collins has been decent whenever he's gotten minutes at getting to the rim uh, because he's usually standing around there. He He's not that great of a ball handler, but... Whenever you, it would be catching lobs or, or going for a layup, he was, he was good at getting fouled, and he was a really good foul shooter, uh, especially considering this is a guy that uh, doesn't really possess much touch on his shot, at least it seems outside the paint. So impressive to see his free throw numbers so high uh, for such a young kid. Again, I think he, he, he needed more playing time this season. I think he's going to get that next season, I hope. If he doesn't transfer, it, it could be that by the time this episode comes out, he's already transferred. By the way, Dante Allen... Uh, leaving the program. Not going to talk about that today. Going to talk about that on Monday. We've got some different things that we need to get to before we talk about Dante Allen. But yeah, Damian Collins graded as a B. 
Jacob Toppin graded at A-. If you've got any thoughts on what those two guys should be graded, leave it in the YouTube comments below if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on podcast format, uh, I normally respond to DMs on Twitter. At LockedOnUK is the username. Typically pretty responsive over there. All right, before we move on to the other two uh, front court players on this list and grading them accordingly, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Built Bar. It's pretty much this time of year that we've all given up on our New Year's resolutions. If you haven't already, dude, it's it's almost April. What are you doing? Like The fact that you've been able to hold on this long is impressive, but I, I've got one more, though, for me personally. I've got one more New Year's resolution that I've actually kind of stuck to, and it's uh, it's eating healthy. And one of the things that's been able to help me eat healthy is Built Bar. And it's not even really, it doesn't even really feel like a resolution for me because I actually enjoy eating Built Bars. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're absolutely fantastic. They taste great. They're low in calorie. They're also high in protein. They've got less sugar and less calories than an average candy bar. They've got loads of protein as well. They're very healthy to eat. They taste great. It's, it's again, fantastic for somebody that wants to eat better uh, but doesn't necessarily want to eat things that don't taste great. Built Bar is definitely uh, a perfect choice for you at Built Bar. They're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, and then they try to figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but every single time, with every single flavor they've got, they've been able to pull it off. You can go to Built.com right now, and you can use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, you can use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order at Built.com. Today's episode of Locked On Kentucky is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. Talking about eating healthy, Athletic Greens is something that I personally use every day as well. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted better gut health. I'm not, I'm not the best eater, and so I, I typically have a lot of digestion issues and different things like that, and I, I don't really enjoy taking pills, but instead I, I wanted to actually take a supplement that tastes great, and Athletic Greens is that. So what exactly is Athletic Greens? Well, with one delicious scoop, of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics into you or into your uh, into your body, and it helps you stop you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and your aging. It's all the things uh, in one. Essentially, it's great for my digestion, like I, like I mentioned earlier. Also gives me energy, and it's very very easy to eat and make every single day. It's also lifestyle friendly. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, you're dairy free, you're gluten free, it contains one less than one gram of sugar. It's got no GMOs. It's got no nasty chemicals, none of that, nothing artificial. And it still tastes delicious and it supports better sleep quality and recovery, it supports mental clarity and alertness. It's absolutely fantastic for you. And it costs you less than $3 a day. So that means you're investing in your health. And on top of that, it's cheaper than your daily cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself as well. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional service. Athletic Greens would highly encourage you guys to check them out. All right, moving along here on the Friday edition of Locked on Kentucky, Lance Daw here with you. Moving along, postseason grades for Kentucky's front court. Keon Brooks Jr. up next. 
This is a this is a controversial one for some of you guys. I know that a lot of you have some some positive opinions about Keon Brooks, and then I've heard some of you voice some very negative opinions about Keon Brooks Jr. Look, I've got him graded as a B minus, and take that for what you will. I know a lot of these guys are sitting around the B area. It's because I don't think anybody played really terribly this season. It's just a, you have to take a couple of things into account. You have to take into account, okay, sure, they may not have the best numbers in the world, but does that mean they weren't really playing a whole lot? So efficiency-wise, how would I grade them? So that's why Damian Collins is graded as a B. That's why Jacob Toppin's graded as an A-. minus. They were just efficient guys. Keon Brooks Jr., uh, graded as a B-, minus, averaged 10.8 points per game, one assist per contest, 4.4 rebounds per game, very solid numbers. He was shooting also 49% from the floor, which is which is really nice to see. Was not known as a three-point shooter, 23.3% from three. And then shooting over 78% from the foul line. Everybody, whenever they try to think of positive Keon Brooks, they think about the season high 27 points that he scored against Kansas. Just absolutely went off in that game. The reason that he did is because he is, as we've noted here on this show, it's the name that we've given him. King of the two-point jumper. That's what he is. That's, that's what Keon Brooks is. Every time I think of Keon Brooks, I think king of the two-point jumper. And I know you, you think about the shot selection, right? You think about how just the, some of his shot selections and his decisions were just not fun to watch. Uh, but at the same time, I think that the, the negatives with Keon Brooks, I mean, those type of negatives come with a player that can do so many different things for you. I mean, he could rebound. He could shoot a little bit. He was fantastic in transition. I don't know how many times you have to go back and watch some of his highlights just time and time and time again. Whenever Kentucky wanted to get out and run, he would be there for a lob. He'd be there to get into the lane himself and make a layup. He was really comfortable in transition. And then also he had his moments in the half-court offense. I mean, you look at what he did against Kansas, just shooting the lights out uh, in the, in the mid-range. So I think that... With, with some of the decisions and the questionable things that he did, I think that those go hand-in-hand hand with the things that he did that were incredibly efficient. I mean, at the end of the day, for all of the things that people knocked on him for, mainly being him fogging up two-point jumpers, me included, for, for him to have finished the season shooting 49% from the floor, I'm, I'm happy with, I'm content with. And we've talked a lot on this show about how you know, statistically, the two-point jumper is not the most efficient shot in the world, right? But if you're going to I- involve a player in your offense that's wa- that wants to take those type of shots and he's making them at a higher clip than the average rate in the country, I say let him do it because it is a new extra part of your offense. It makes defenses prepare for you a little bit differently. It's just it makes the more it makes the offense more dynamic. I I, I like liked overall. What Keon Brooks did this season, B minus. Uh, the reason that I have him, uh, have him as a B minus is because there were some breakdowns defensively. There were some questionable shots offensively. You know, sometimes he did things that weren't like nobody's going to be perfect, but sometimes he did things that were questionable, right? And it, and it didn't necessarily benefit the team. But at times he also did some things that were really solid, like scored 27 points against a team that is currently sitting in the Sweet 16 with a chance to go to the Elite Eight, Final Four, national title aspirations. We beat that team at home, and it was large in part uh, because of what Keon Brooks was doing that day. uh, I I will note this, and this is another reason why Keon Brooks is B-minus. Before the Florida game, he was averaging 11.6 points per game. Before the second Florida game is what I mean. So like the last 
third of the season. So for the first two-thirds-ish of the season, he was averaging 11.6 points per game. And then after that, for the final like 10, 11, 12 games of the season, he's averaging 9.1 points. So statistically, like everybody else, he took a dip. But still, I mean, I'm not, I'm not ready to condemn Keon Brooks and say that he was a C, he was a C minus, somewhere around there. I think B minus is fair. If you disagree with that, let me know. All right, one more front court player here. And then we're going to predict the Sweet 16, which I'm really excited about. Lance Ware, I have graded as a B. And again, like it, it, he wasn't the most impact, impactful play, player. In fact, he only scored, his season high was five points against Missouri. But still, I, uh, efficiency-wise, I liked what Lance did, Ware did this season. It, my complaint with Ware is similar to Damian Collins of the fact that he didn't necessarily get a chance to develop as a player because he didn't get enough minutes. In fact, he averaged exactly a minute less than Damian Collins did per contest. And I understand partially the decision uh, from coach uh, Calipari to limit the amount of players that got into the rotation. And we talked about this. We asked like halfway through the SEC slate, we had an episode dedicated to asking, should Kentucky run a platoon system? Should Kentucky involve more of their players in, in their, in the rotation? And Lance Ware, I think, you know, development-wise, was not ready to take a significant jump in minutes per game, but I think that he was ready to have more more touches and more opportunities than he did this season. I also understand, though, I mean, you're sitting behind Oscar Shibway, and it's really difficult to crack that rotation. And then also you've got a guy like Damian Collins in front of you. So, I mean, I understand why Ware didn't get to see a ton of minutes this season, but at the same time, I wish he would have. One and a half points per game, 1.9 rebounds per game. Uh, Ware was shooting 66.7% from the field, caught a lot of lobs, was a really good back-to-the-basket player. I think he showed that off more than he did uh, in his first season with the Wildcats. Uh, again, did not really get a chance to flesh out his game and develop as a sophomore uh, he he also, something else I noted, you go back and watch some film, watch some highlights, really good timing with his blocks. Very, very good rim protector in my my opinion. According to 24-7 Sports, the scouting report uh, that they did on him said that he wasn't a very physical player, said that he was a finesse type of player, and said that he would be end up being a ball handler and would eventually develop an outside shot. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, I think that his physicality became more and more of a presence as this season went on. He was less of a, of a finesse guy and more of a physical rim protector at six foot nine. I mean, he was he was impressive, and there were several moments where he grabbed key rebounds and and got cr- crucial layups, and he had a couple of highlights. and I think that the physicality was more on display than than the finesse was. And at the same time, he's not a ball handler. He's not a shooter. Missed his only three point of 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 the season that he took. I'm not here to dog 24-7 sports because they're normally right on most guys. So I'm not here to dog that. I'm just saying that, you know, he's developing into a, a little bit of a different type of player than we, we maybe would have thought at the beginning of his career. And then also something else on top of this, uh, just a positive note, he was named to the uh, SEC community service team, which I did not know until researching for this episode. So props to Lance Ware uh, for, for earning that accolade. Really impressive. So Lance Ware graded as a B. Keon Brooks Jr. graded as a B minus. Damian Collins graded as a B. And then Jacob Toppin graded 
as an A minus. Those are my postseason grades for the front court for the Wildcats. If you've got any thoughts on the grades for these guys, if you want to give your thoughts on the in the YouTube comments, hit me on the socials as well. Again, I enjoy getting to talk to you guys about these different things. It's it's entertaining for me, and especially now that we're heading in, into the off season. Um, it, it, we're going to need some more, some more different, different things to speculate and talk over. I mean, that's, that's what this is. This is the talking head season. Uh, so it's fun to kind of just give out grades and predictions and different things like that. So anyway, moving along here, before we get to the sweet 16, before we predict that, I want to tell you guys quickly about our friends at bet online. Obviously it's that time of year. College basketball's tournament is upon us. We're about to predict the sweet 16. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props for the college basketball tournament, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season as well. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. You can head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action that is bet online where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky Lance Dog here with you, going to predict the Sweet 16. Uh, and I know that some of these games have already happened by the time this recording comes out. I don't care. I'm going to predict it. If I'm dead wrong, uh, we can all laugh at it and call me dumb uh, here uh, in just uh, just a. Uh, about 24 hours. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. Number one, Gonzaga against number four, Arkansas. Now, I know that this game is happening, uh, and by the time this is up, this game will have already finished. It was interesting the way that Gonzaga started off the season, or excuse me, the NCAA tournament. Wow. Uh, with, with two close wins, and again, the Georgia State win ended up not being close, but, I mean, Georgia State had a lead late in that game. And then Memphis had, had several leads uh, but eventually lost by four to the Bulldogs. And so you would like to think that eventually somebody's going to knock them off, right? I mean, who knows? They still could win the title. But you would like to think that eventually somebody's going to knock them off. I don't think it's going to be Arkansas. I'm going to pencil in the Zags here. And yes, I quite literally have a printed out bracket, and I'm going to write this down as we go along. Going to try and do the, Going to try not to take forever on this. But Arkansas, you know, they had a couple of struggle wins themselves. Barely beat Vermont, and then barely beat New Mexico State in a defensive affair, which I would have not said about Arkansas uh, 10 games into the season with the way that they were playing defense. If you told me, yeah, they would get to the Sweet 16, it would be their defense that did it. I would have been like, no, no. But their defense has really come along. But I don't think Arkansas has enough to get past Gonzaga. And look, if J.D. Note shoots as poorly as he has recently... Uh, look, free throws aren't going to win you a national championship, J.D., and, and that's not a slight direction to him. That's just talking about Arkansas in general. They're really good at getting to the foul line. It's not going to get them past the Bulldogs. Watch me come back in, in, tomorrow or on Monday and be like, yeah, I was wrong on that, but that's just my thought. Texas Tech versus Duke. I believe that Texas Tech is actually favored in this game. After getting to see Duke personally, in person, getting to see some of their players, and just because I saw them in person doesn't mean I have any any insight that you wouldn't have. I'm just saying, like, I was truly impressed with some of the things that they did and just how physical they were and how, how quickly they got to the rim at times and just how efficient they were. They battled against uh, Michigan State, man. And while Texas Tech has a phenomenal no-middle defense, the fact that they are statistically one of the best teams in the nation on defense, 
I just don't know if they've got the shooters and they've got the offense to get past Duke because if Duke can find ways to get to the rim against this Red Raiders D, I think that Duke is going to win this game. Now, it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a great game. An off, a really, really good offense against really, really good defense, but I'm going to take Duke. All right, moving on down here. North Carolina, the eight seed, taking on UCLA. I'm going to go with the Tar Heels here. After seeing the way that they played against Baylor, just scoring and scoring and scoring at will against a really good defense. UCLA is talented. Don't get me wrong. They don't have like a particular weakness outside of maybe bad shot selection. Uh, Johnny Juzang, I'm looking at you sometimes. Not all the time, I'm just saying sometimes. But yeah, I'm going to take the Tar Heels to make it to the Elite Eight. I think they are on fire right now. Number 15, St. Peter's versus number three, Purdue. Purdue, not really even a thought else that has to go into that. Watch me come back and say I'm wrong. I'm just setting myself up to be made fun of is what I'm doing right now. But anyway, moving along. Number one, Arizona versus number five, Houston. Gosh, I want to pick Houston in this game. I really do want to pick Houston in this game. After clobbering UAB and then clobbering Illinois, offensively, they're playing well right now. I know that 68 points versus Illinois might might uh, might make you think that they're not playing the greatest offensively, but I think efficiency-wise, they're doing well. Arizona barely scraped by TCU in overtime. Some questionable officiating at the end of that game. Do we think the Wildcats will be able to beat the Cougars? <sighs> I'll, I'll say I'll say yes. I'll say I'll say yes, just because I think Arizona is just so talented offensively. They got so many different players. They can run the floor so well. I'm going to take the Wildcats. Although I don't, I don't feel great about it. My gut's telling me otherwise. Number eleven, Michigan versus number two, Villanova. This is where uh, Michigan's run comes to an end. Here, yeah, I don't think that they're getting past Villanova. Villanova, one of the most disciplined teams in the country. I think that both of these teams with a slower style of play, uh, I think that the the more talented one is going to come out on top. Uh, Michigan, I don't think, is going to shoot as well as they have so far this tournament. Give me the Wildcats of Villanova to, uh, to win this game. All right, moving along here. Kansas, number one seed versus Providence, a four seed. I'm going to take Kansas in this game. Uh, Providence, one of the luckiest teams in the nation. I said this on a podcast recently. You'd like to think that eventually somebody would like would, would expose their luck. Um, Providence is a good team, though. Props to them for for uh, for making it this far. Of course, they've also beaten South Dakota State and Richmond. So I don't I don't know what they're going to do against Kansas. Probably won't be anything impressive. Number eleven, Iowa State versus number ten, Miami. I'm going to take Miami uh, to 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 win this game after seeing the way that they just beat Auburn like a drum, like they just destroyed Auburn, I would like to think that they've got enough in the tank offensively to get past uh, the Cyclones. So we're on the lead eight here. Number one, Gonzaga versus number two, Duke. I'm going to take Duke. Yep, I said it. I said that Gonzaga would would get knocked out eventually. I think that Duke's going to do it. Number eight, North Carolina versus number three, Purdue. Now this is a fun matchup. This right here is a really, really fun matchup. I don't feel great about it. I'm going to take Purdue because I really do like what they do on offense, but that defense, man, oh, this is going to be a high-scoring game, I think. Number one, Arizona versus number two, Villanova. I'm going to take Arizona to win this game. Didn't feel great about the Houston matchup. Houston, Arizona, Duke, and Kansas are probably the four best teams left in this field. And I know, say what you want about Gonzaga. I just, I'm not really impressed with what they've done so far in the tournament. Who knows? Again, they could still win the title. I may be completely wrong. I'm just not impressed with what I've seen. 
And then number one, Kansas versus number 10, Miami. Yeah, Miami's not making it to the Final Four. Uh, Bye-bye, Hurricanes. Kansas in the Final Four. So Duke versus Purdue and Arizona versus Kansas. I'm going to take Duke over Purdue to make it to the national title game. And then I'm going to take Arizona over Kansas to make it to the title game. And it sets up a really, really good uh, national title versus the Duke Blue Devils and the Arizona Wildcats. Coach K and his final season, can he, can he get it done? No, I don't think so. I'm going to take Arizona to win, uh, and I don't have to put a final score prediction because this is we're, we're not tie breaking. This isn't a this isn't a we're not doing a, a pool here or anything. Although I will be putting these picks on run your pool, and that's not a bit. I'm actually I'm actually going to do that. So there you have it. Duke losing to Arizona in the national title. That's my prediction for the rest of the Sweet 16. If you've got any thoughts on what's going to happen, or if you want to come back and laugh at me because Arkansas beat Gonzaga or something like that, even in the YouTube comments below, hit me on the socials. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. And I'll make your second listen of the day, Locked On NFL Draft with Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bringing the NFL draft to life every single day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. You can follow this show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments below or on the socials. I will see you all Monday. Have a good day, everybody. And God bless.